0: Man, I am so excited to be sharing with you today in this series called Spooky Good. How many of you guys have been enjoying this series so far? Yeah? Yeah. I know I have been enjoying it. I hope you've been enjoying it. Um, and so I, I wanted to start this a little bit different. I want to do a little bit of a poll here, if I can. How many of you guys say, uh, relatively speaking, you're a positive person? Anybody? Positive people? Uh, negative people, we already know who you are because you didn't raise your hands being negative. <laughs> But, no, so I think if, if you know me and my wife, uh, you know, I tend to be more of the half-glass-full person. And if I'm honest with you, if she's honest with you, she can sometimes be the half-glass-empty person, okay? Now, I have to, you know, be careful what I'm saying here because she's sitting right there. But, uh, you know, I look at things, and I always see the positive. And sometimes Hope looks at things, my wife, she looks at things And she could tend to see the negative. I'll give you a really good example. The other day I was sitting on the couch, just hanging out, and my wife says, Hey, babe, can you go grab the vacuum and can you vacuum the rug? Now here's the thing: I saw that rug. And you know what I saw? Positive. That rug, that rug looked beautiful. All I saw was pluses. That rug was above and not beneath, right? Like it was a blessed rug. It did not need to be touched. But my wife, all she saw when she saw that rug was the negative. She saw the dirt. And so, you know, I couldn't convince her otherwise, so I had to go get the vacuum. I bring the vacuum in. In fact, I even have my vacuum with me. So I brought the vacuum in, and I, uh, I turn it on. And as soon as I turn on, the vacuum comes on. My son, who's about two years old, he's about to turn two years old here in a little bit, he bolts out of the room just runs. And so I turn it off, and when I turn it off, he comes back in the room, and he's just happy as ever. Then I thought, i would try this again. So I turn it back on, and he bolts again. Turn it off, and he comes right back. And I realize that my son is afraid of the vacuum. Now, I should tell you two things. One, is that we clearly need to work on some courage for him. And two, it's been a really long time since I vacuumed. Okay. So so I did my best. I was trying to convince him, hey, come come over here, come over here. And I'm trying to show him, hey, this guy's going to eat you. It's not going to scare you. But for him, this vacuum was a real threat. He saw this thing as a real threat in his life. Now, I got some people up here. Are y'all afraid of this thing? Any of y'all, are you, Zach, are you scared of this? Does this scare you? No. Like, it shouldn't scare you. It's just a vacuum cleaner. Like, unless you're a dust bunny, it should not scare you. But for, for whatever reason, in Charlie's little mind, he saw that as a threat. And he needed a little bit of boldness to stand up and face that threat. And here's the thing. All of us have threats in our life. And all of us need boldness to stand up and face the threat, but coming up for Charlie, coming up and even just touching the vacuum was a first step that was so scary to him. And how many guys know that the first step can be the scariest step? Yes. Right? Yes. The first step can be the scariest step. And today I want to talk to you about some scary steps. All right, we got some major threats in our world right now. In fact, one really big one starts with the letter C that's all around it, hitting all of us right now. All right? Starts with the letter C. That's right, the Cowboys not making it to the playoffs. No, I'm just kidding. Coronavirus. Coronavirus. It's a big deal right now. And it's all around us. And for some people, it is the even the idea of it can bring them to tears. And for some, it's, you know, they they can do otherwise. Like it's no big deal for them. But I know this: that for, for some folks who are healthy and able to, like, Maybe for them, the step, that step of boldness, that scary step, could just be going outside for a little bit, right? It's seeing a neighbor in need and just stepping in and saying, I can help. Let me go get your groceries for you. It could be something as simple as that. But maybe for you, it's, it's something else. Maybe the threat is, is just in your health in general, right? And you need faith, and, and you need that faith to, to take a scary step of going to a doctor because you've just been ignoring this problem for years, or maybe it's financial, and you got some issues, and you've never dealt with it. And you figure there will come a day when you'll eventually get to it. But that scary step, a scary step could just be, you know what? I'm going to go reach out to somebody. I'm going to talk to them about financial peace. I'm going to go get a book. That could be a scary step. Whatever that looks like for you, all of us have those initial scary steps that we got to take to move towards help, to, to move towards what God has for us. In the face of threats, to take some scary steps. So I was looking at a passage of scripture this week that I want to look at with you. Acts chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and go there. Acts chapter 4 is an interesting passage of scripture. Uh, For those of you guys that need a little bit of context, at this point, the disciples, they're facing a very real threat. Now, their threat is much bigger than this vacuum cleaner. It's persecution. And it's very, very real. And so, just so you have some context, Acts chapter 1, Jesus raises again from the dead. He's with the disciples, and they're excited because they're like, this is it. It's only good days in front of us. Everything's going to be great. And Jesus is like, no, peace, I'm out. And he goes up to the Father, and he tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit. So, Acts chapter 2, they're waiting on the Holy Spirit. There's 120 of them gathering in the upper room. The Holy Spirit comes, fills them. They reach about 3,000 people. Peter stands up, preaches amazing people. 3,000 people are saved. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are walking to the temple, and they see this man, a lame man. That is, he's in his 40s, been there for years, pretty much his whole adult life, been sitting right there, his whole life begging for money. And, they, and he happens to ask Peter for money, and Peter looks at him, and he says those famous lines. He says, silver and gold have I none. Basically, bro, I have got no money, but what I have, I'll give you. And he says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And this guy, who's been sitting there his whole adult life, stands up. And it's such a cause for for people to see. It's such a big deal that people gather around Peter and Peter and John, and and they begin to preach, and even more people come to know Jesus. Now, the, the temple officials see this. They arrest Peter and John, and they put him in jail that very same day. And you have to understand, this is a real threat. This is a big deal. And the next day, they bring them in front of the temple council, and they have to stand in front of the very people who could do whatever they want with these guys' lives. And you got to think about it for a second. The last time somebody from their crew stood in that courtroom, his name was Jesus, and he was crucified and died. This is a real threat. And the Bible says they threatened him. They didn't punish him because they were afraid of the popularity. People had just seen this lame man that they saw all their lives get up and walk. So they say, we're not going to punish you, but we're threatening you. You better stop. And they release him. So Peter and John go back. They go back to the fellow believers, and this is what happens, where we pick up. Verse 23. So Acts 4, verse 23. It says this, it says this, this, As soon as they were free, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer. Now, I like this. Their first response, their very first response to a problem, to a threat, is prayer. It's not, well, all we can do now is pray. It's not, well, our last resort is prayer. No, it's the first resort. It's the first option is prayer. They get together and they pray. And this is what they say. They say, oh, sovereign Lord, creator of the heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Now, throughout this text, I want to ask a couple of questions that I think hit home for me that I I hope it hit homes for you. And that first question is this, how do you see God? How do you see God? How big is your God? Because for these disciples, man, their God was huge. He was a big God. He was so big. He was the creator of everything. And let me tell you how big your God is. How big you see God determines how big you see your threats. They saw a big God. Let's keep going. Verse 25. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, by your servants, saying, why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers gather together against the Lord and his Messiah. They're quoting Psalms 2. Verse 27, in fact, this has happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. Let me ask another question. How do you interpret the circumstances you're in? How do you interpret the circumstances you're in? See, for these guys, they interpreted their circumstances based on their big God, his word, the scripture, remember they're quoting Psalm 2, and Jesus, their Savior. Because they're saying, you know what? I see this problem that I'm in. I can think of, when I look at scripture, I can think of a time when that happened in scripture. And I can think of a time that happened to Jesus. See, they realize in their story, the main character of their story is Jesus. Not them. Let me tell you this. Whoever is at the center of your story will determine the ending of your story. For some of us, We are at the center of our story. And so we look and we start connecting dots and we start telling ourselves stories. Oh, you know why my boss did that to me? Because he doesn't like me. He's trying to get me fired. Oh, you know my wife said that to me. She told me to vacuum because she hates me. Right, we start connecting dots that aren't even there. Why? Because we are the main character in our story. And everything that happens, clearly it has to be about us. That's why my boss cut my hours. That's why my wife said that to me. It's because it's all about me. But what if it's not? What if it's all about God? How do you interpret your circumstance? Who's the main character in your story? Verse 28. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. According to your will. Watch what they're saying. They're saying this. This threat, this persecution, it's part of God's plan. Now, this is a dangerous question to ask yourself. But can you ask yourself, how is this part of God's plan? Coronavirus, how is this part of God's plan? And if you start that question, here's why it's dangerous. If you start that question with fear and anxiety, and you say, God, how is this part of your plan? You know what you end up with? With more fear and anxiety. And you come out blaming God and bitter and broken. But if you start that question with faith and you say, God, how is this part of your plan? Then suddenly you start looking at the problem differently. You start looking at the circumstance differently. I had a friend of mine who went through cancer. And I remember at the onset, when he first found out, he said this statement. I'll never forget this. He says, I'm not going to waste my cancer. I know this is for God's glory. And he went through the cancer. And when he came out on the other end, it wasn't that life was perfect, but he came out more perfected and more like Jesus. He came out more Christ-like than ever. A better version of who he was created to be. Because he asked that question, how is this part of God's plan? How is this part of God's plan? Verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear their their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. O Lord, hear their threats. I like what they said here. They did not say, God, hear their threats and squash them underneath your thumb. Hear their threats and take away the threat. No. Like if that was me, I would say, God, hear their threats. And you know what I think you should do, God? I think you should take away their eyebrows. So when they're happy, they're sad, they're angry, no one could tell the difference. Why don't you do that, God? It's not that big of a deal. But no, that's that's not what they say. They say, God... Hear their threats, and you do whatever you want to do. The other day, we had a, a pipe burst in our house, and uh, um, we called a plumber, and the plumber came over. And you know what I did not do with the plumber? I didn't sit down with the plumber and say, Hey, I need you to go get this pipe with this fitting, I need you to connect it here. You know why? Because I don't know anything about plumbing. He's the expert, the plumber. I'm just a civilian, I have no idea what I'm doing. The only thing I know about plumbing is how to flush the toilet and put the seat down. And if you ask my wife, I only do half of that right. I, I'm not the expert. He is. So why do we take all the threats that happen in our lives and say, God, this is what I need you to do. I need you to take this problem and this person and fire that person and get rid of this person. No. No. God knows. I don't know. Say, God, look at the threat. You're the expert. You do what you want. Your will be done. But as for us, give us the boldness to face the threat. They ask not that he take away the threats, but give them boldness to take scary steps. Give them boldness. Come on. Verse 30, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through your name, the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. And if you keep reading, you find out that their prayers were answered. God moved in a mighty way. And here's the last question I think I can ask of us, is how can I receive the power Take that step. And there's only one response. It's the Holy Spirit. It's spooky good. It's the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit comes in that place. And he shakes the room. And he fills them with the boldness that they asked for prayer. And they go out and they do the very thing. They take that scary step forward. And here's the thing. I want you to think about it just for one second. I thought about it this week. If they did not take the step, we would not be in this room. We would not be online on Facebook. We would not be anywhere in this world. There was a decision right there, a fork in the road. And for them, the decision was, do we just quiet down and say nothing and forget about this whole Jesus thing? Or do we face this threat and take a scary step. Take a scary step forward and face this thing, face this threat head on. And the Holy Spirit comes and gives them the strength to make the right decision. And we're all in this room because of it. You know, uh, when my son, when Charlie was afraid of the vacuum, You know, what would it look like if I had taken the vacuum cleaner and I'd thrown it at him? And I said, You're such a coward. I can't believe you're my son. That would make me a terrible father. And that would cause more fear and more anxiety. You know, in your broken moments, when you're feeling afraid and you're afraid to take that step, and those thoughts come to your head like that say, Oh, you know what? You're always going to be broke anyways. You're always going to be this dumb. You're not always going to be this uneducated. You're always going to be this way. You're never going to have that kind of marriage. You're never going to have that kind of a job. We need to realize that voice, that voice is the voice of our flesh and the voice of our enemy. That is not the voice of our God. The voice of our God is the voice that empowers us. It is the Holy Spirit stepping in and breathing life into us and giving us the boldness to take the steps that we need to take you know what that voice is I think it's like this so I bring Charlie over and grab the vacuum cleaner I get down on my knee and I bring him really close and I let his back rest on my chest and I turn on the vacuum cleaner and then he immediately turns it off And then I turn it on again, and he turns it off again. Then I turn it on and off real quick, and he turns it on. And it's like this light bulb came on. He realized that he had power in that moment. He just got empowered right there. And then I took the vacuum while it was on, and I held on to it, and I let him put his hand on it. And we started doing that, and he was pushing, and I want to show you something, this is him at the end of the night, I want to show you this, for my son. huh? Here's the thing. As proud as I am of my son for facing his threats with boldness, I can only imagine the Heavenly Father when you pray for boldness and the Holy Spirit empowers you and you take that scary step. And you say, I'm going to leave behind a broken relationship. I'm going to leave behind the, the cycles and addictions of my life. And I'm going to leave behind those attitudes that are holding me back. And I'm going to take a scary step forward. I'm going to reach out to somebody for help. I'm going to reach out to the prayer I'm going to make a phone call right now. Like when you do that, I think, I could be wrong. I think God is up in heaven. He's got his iPhone out because he doesn't have Androids up there, right? He's got his, he's got his iPhone out. And he's saying, look at my son. He's leaving behind addictions, and he's taking a scary step forward. Look at my daughter. She's leaving back a broken relationship, and she's moving forward towards health. Look at my child. That's our Heavenly Father. We all have threats. We all face threats. Let me tell you the most important, scary step you could take, though. And it's really not that scary at all. The most important scary step you could take is a step to follow Jesus. A step to follow Jesus. And you know why it's not scary? It's not scary because he took that first scary step onto the cross. And he stretched out his arms. And he said, it is forgiven. It is finished. And he hung and died for you. And all you have to do Is step forward and receive it. So here's what I think. Here's what I believe. I think for those of you in this room, or maybe you're just, you happen to stop at this video right now on Facebook for whatever reason. I believe that reason is this that God wants you to know that you can take that step. And He's waiting with arms stretched out, ready to take you up, ready to say, You are my son, you are my daughter. So can I pray for us? If that's you, I'd love for you to reach out to us. Maybe it's on, if you're on the online chat, you can do that right there. You can call the number. However you do, let me encourage you to take that step forward. Let me pray for you. Father, right now, I pray for every single one, Lord Jesus, of my brothers and sisters that have a scary step in front of us. Lord, maybe it's a scary step to follow you and their finances. And more, Jesus, and maybe it's a scary step, Lord, at their work. Maybe it's a scary step in a relationship. Whatever it may be, I pray that you would fill them with the boldness that your Holy Spirit would step in and fill them with the boldness to step forward, to step into what you have called them to do. I pray for that right now in Jesus' name. Amen.